sorry, man. Watch out, asshole. Jesus, man, I said I'm sorry. I don't care. You better look where you're going. You don't know who you're bumping into. Alright, now you're just being crazy. Fuck you, pussy. What'd you call me? You heard me, you little bitch. You better calm down. You're really asking for it. Asking for what? A kiss on the lips? Is that why you bumped into me, pal? I'll show you a kiss on the lips. and the sad, broken man walked the street alone. Although his destination for the night was clear, the bottomless despair he trudged through made his destination in life uncertain. Once an existence full of promise and joy, now a bitter mockery of everything that came before. For the sad, broken man was none other than Jimmy McDermott, Patterson's finest boxing prospect of all time. His career trajectory was straight to the top as a young man in the prime of his life. The only thing capable of bringing him down was himself. And that's exactly what he did. Jimmy was a genuine star in a place that was otherwise dull and uninspiring. A beacon of light shining brightly and bobbing proudly in a sea of darkness he represented something the city had little of. Hope. Hope for a brighter tomorrow. Hope for the next generation to become something more. But that was then. And this is now. The bright light that shone so dearly now flickered and was beginning to fade away. Hope was slowly dying and the star that was untouchable Jimmy McDermott was going with it. He walked into the house and laid down on the couch. He rested his throbbing head on the pillow and grimaced in pain as the blood dried on his nose and mouth. All Jimmy wanted now was sleep, to escape the torment he faced on a daily basis. Although he knew deep down, nothing could wake him from the nightmare his life had become. Long after the sun came up, Jimmy was awakened by his best and oldest friend, Lenny. Jesus Christ, Jimmy. Not again. What happened to you? Nothing, man. It's nothing. It isn't nothing, Jimmy. This is the third week in a row. What's going on? It's just bad luck. You know how many drunken assholes are out there every night? Nah, I don't know, Jim. You never used to be like this. I'm a fighter, Lenny. This is what we do. We get in fights sometimes. Yeah, not like this. Used to be great, man. Used to be great. It was true. Jimmy was great. At just 12 years old, 
he caught the eye of Gerald McNamara, famed boxing coach and former professional boxer himself. Growing up in the same neighborhood, Gerald would see the young boys playing basketball in the park. Jimmy played defense like a person about to fight. He slid left, right, forward and backward seamlessly. His lightning-fast reflexes made sure no one could get past him, and his quick hands stole, deflected, and disrupted the ball in every situation. He made playing the game a horrid experience for anyone he was guarding. He badgered, harassed, and made everything difficult for his opponents. One day, Gerald watched on as the boys played three-on-three, smoking a cigarello in the distance. Jimmy was guarding a boy much bigger than him, who was making full use of his size advantage. He threw his weight around and bodied Jimmy every chance he could. But Jimmy got his hands on the ball and prevented him from scoring in almost every possession. He stripped, blocked, and knocked away the ball every time the large boy had it and clapped loudly every time he did so. Jimmy's large opponent was getting visibly frustrated and started playing more aggressively as a result. He tried to punish Jimmy physically, but Jimmy just kept grinding and scraping, making it impossible for the boy to score or do any of the things he wanted to, each time clapping closer and closer to the boy's face. The final straw came when, in a fit of rage, the boy had the ball and dug his shoulder into Jimmy's chest, plowing his way toward the basket. Jimmy was tossed backward, but in the act managed to swat the ball cleanly out of the boy's hands as he went up to lay the ball in. Before he even knew what happened, Jimmy was there to meet him with two loud claps right next to his ear. Without hesitation, the boy angrily shoved Jimmy with both hands and began swinging wild punches in his direction. Reading each one perfectly, Jimmy dodged out of the way with expert precision, making the large, furious boy look foolish in the process. This only made him more infuriated and more out of control as he tried even harder to land a punch on Jimmy. The more he tried, the sillier he looked and the other boys on the court began to laugh at the comical madness taking place before them. Jimmy now put his hands behind his back and leaned his head forward, taunting the boy to give him a real good one right on the chin. Swinging ferociously and not even coming close, the spectators were now in hysterics, pointing and laughing at the boy's frustration. In a final gesture of defeat, he yelled, Fuck you! Fuck you all! to everyone in the vicinity before stomping off in anger. The rest of the boys cheered Jimmy on afterwards for his poise and victory. The match was won by decision. The decision that Jimmy was a better fighter and athlete and that the other boy was an utter buffoon who had no place competing with a kid like Jimmy in anything. He had won the fight without throwing a single punch. And in that moment, Gerald knew Jimmy was something special. I knew the kid was something else from the first time I saw him. I mean, he had this sense of awareness just other people don't have. You could tell by the way he did, well, anything. And then when he got in the gym, I knew he was special.
Nobody. And I mean nobody worked like him. You'd ask him to wash your car and you'd have to get a new paint job or something. <laughs> yeah, he was special. I'm sure he still is, but he's just... troubled. It was clear that for a child of his age, he was gifted. But what really set him apart from the others was his will to win. Jimmy could not stand losing. The more Gerald watched him, the more he thought the boy belonged in a boxing ring and not a basketball court. Gerald invited the kid to his gym to hit the bag and see if he liked it. With his parents' blessing, Jimmy showed up and trained under Gerald. From the very beginning, Jimmy displayed intuitive skills that only the most skilled of boxers had attained over time. His ability to read movements and stay one step ahead put him a cut above the rest. Jimmy took to training like a professional and was an absolute workhorse. Boxing became an obsession for him, even before having an organized fight. He trained for years before entering City League at age 15. There, he was exposed to other young men who practiced the sport seriously. Gerald took his time training Jimmy, but wasted none in getting him fight experience. Gerald threw him in the deep end, head first, because he wanted to see if Jimmy really was the competitor he seemed to be. Immediately, he was fighting boys bigger, older, and more experienced than him. Now was a crucial time for Jimmy, a make-or-break situation to decide if this was the life for him, a life full of competition, heartache, and glory. Jimmy started off in citywide tournaments with Gerald ringside. Jimmy's first ever boxing match was against a boy a year older than him. Jimmy's opponent was an experienced youngin, already with knockout power. From the opening bell, it was clear that Jimmy wasn't going to win. He slipped, dodged, evaded, and even frustrated his large and powerful opponent. But a perfectly timed right hook in the third round put Jimmy on the canvas. Out for the count. This crude introduction to the sport forced Jimmy to confront the reality of it all. Losing in this game wasn't like losing anything else. It was worse. It hurt. And it was shameful. But Gerald's test proved successful. Jimmy wasn't discouraged from fighting at all. His obsession only grew more intense. After the first fight, Jimmy worked even harder. No longer wanting to play defense, he wanted to be the one to administer pain. In his next fight, Jimmy brought forth an aggression like Gerald had never seen. Facing another large opponent, Jimmy gave him a run for his money. This time going on the attack, Jimmy put the young man on his heels and ended up winning by decision. Soaring sky high after the victory, Gerald knew he had a winner on his hands. He smiled at Jimmy with the fondness of a father to his son. And Jimmy smiled back from the counter stool at the diner with a vanilla milkshake mustache and a puffy black eye. He didn't win City League that year or the next year, experiencing a few more devastating knockouts and painful losses by decision. But with each loss, Jimmy grew stronger and more determined to win. 
Gerald knew that it was only a matter of time until Jimmy's physicality caught up with the rest of the boys. By then, his skills would be so fine-tuned that they would have no idea what to do. Jimmy McDermott would soon become a problem. Now at age 17, Jimmy grew taller, longer, and more filled out with muscle. This time around, he was the same age as most of the boys in the City League tournament. But the fights were completely one-sided. Jimmy picked apart each of his opponents. He let them attack, studied their styles, and found their weaknesses. When the time was right, he would go on the offensive and secure the victory, winning most of the fights by knockout. Jimmy soon found himself in the championship bout for the City League tournament, going up against last year's winner and his first opponent ever. This was a matchup Jimmy anticipated eagerly. The opening bell sounded and the defending champ came out swinging. Jimmy read each punch like an open book and slipped them with ease. He kept this up for the first two rounds without throwing a single punch as his opponent began to grow tired and frustrated. Now in the third round, not a single punch had been landed on Jimmy and the tired boy was starting to make mistakes. Jimmy saw how much he loved his one-two combo, left jab leading into vicious right hook. It was the signature move that got him this far, but he used it way too much. He advertised that right hook like a billboard on Main Street, but Jimmy wasn't buying it. The boy then threw a quick left and wound up with the right. Jimmy anticipated it and ducked, while winding up with a counter haymaker of his own. As soon as the boy's glove passed over Jimmy's head, he popped up and landed a devastating right hook on the boy's chin. He hit the ground like a sack of potatoes as Jimmy stood over him, glaring at the former champion. Only one punch was thrown by Jimmy the whole fight, and it made him the Patterson City League champ. This earned him the right to compete in the statewide tournament against the best fighters in all of New Jersey, and Jimmy was ready for them. In the statewide tournament, Jimmy wreaked havoc. He dominated each competitor one by one, and Gerald could see that he was really finding himself and in coming into his own as a fighter. He was developing a particular fight mentality and a signature style which the crowd loved. Jimmy danced around his opponents and taunted them with his presence. He made them angry and frustrated by acting cocky about not getting hit. He would then make the other fighters think that they had a chance before taking it away. Jimmy loved striking at opportune moments and not following up with more punches, letting opponents know that he could end the fight at any time. The way he moved was like art baiting fighters into throwing everything they had into a single punch and slipping it by millimeters, all to pop back into place and dare them to throw another. This earned him the nickname Untouchable Jimmy, as he soon became a crowd favorite in the statewide tournament. He won the championship fight by knockout and was officially the top youth fighter in New Jersey. The next year, Jimmy won the tri-state area tournament 
and competed in a national tournament against the best youth boxers in the whole country. He ended up ranking in the top 10, but won the hearts of the audience with his untouchable style. He brought this fame back home and was seen as a neighborhood hero at the meager age of 18. The people were proud, proud to have representation, proud to have respect, but above all, proud to have someone fighting in their corner, an experience they never had before. Jimmy kept training and training and decided to take it to the next level by beginning his amateur career. There he would get in the ring with grown men and work his way toward professional status. At this point, that was the only thing that Jimmy wanted, to fight at the highest level, to show his skills on the world stage and hear the city, the state, the whole country cheering his name. And he knew he could do it too. He just needed to prove himself first and that's exactly what he did. Jimmy entered the amateur realm with the confidence of a professional. He executed opponents with efficiency and precision and didn't mess around with taunting or scoring style points. He was all business, no sweet stuff. 16-0 ended up being his amateur record and quiet mumblings of a young man named Jimmy McDermott entered the world of boxing. It was around this time when Jimmy met Lindsay. He met her at a bar one night while having a few drinks with his friends. Jimmy didn't go out or drink very much, but he was persuaded by his pals after a well-earned victory. He saw Lindsay standing at the bar and immediately felt compelled to talk to her. Jimmy had no idea why he felt this way, but he didn't care. He had to know who she was. When he spoke to her, she spoke back without judgment, and they talked like any two people would at a bustling bar on a Saturday night. Lindsay had no idea who he was, and when he told her, she didn't care. She only saw him for who he was, the young man standing in front of her, looking for a conversation. Jimmy took immense comfort in that. Everyone else in his life saw him as Jimmy the fighter, the hope, the promise. He was more of an idea than a person to those surrounding him. And to be near someone who had no connection to that world was a breath of fresh air. The seeds of love had been planted and needed only to grow. Finding Lindsay was a blessing for Jimmy. Most guys his age got easily distracted with partying and girls. Jimmy's local fame could have set him down a narrow path away from his dreams. But with Lindsay, he could really focus on what was important. Jimmy turned pro at age 22 and had his first bout with a guy from out of state. He was another up-and-coming boxer who hailed all the way from Michigan named Shane O'Doyle. In a lot of ways, the two were the same. Both young, hungry, and everything to gain. Jimmy stepped into the ring and felt right at home. The opening bell sounded and the two fighters approached each other. The first round started off slow. But at one point, 
Shane hit him with a body shot that shook Jimmy. It was at that moment Jimmy realized he wasn't in the amateurs anymore. The pros were different. They moved faster, hit harder, fought better. Jimmy knew he was going to have to be very careful if he wanted to win this fight. The next round, Jimmy studied his movements and didn't let him hit the body again. Shane was growing tired, but insisted on going for the knockout, a mistake that would prove fatal for him by the end of the fight. Shane went on the offensive to finish the third round strong, but was met by a brutal uppercut when he least expected it. Jimmy followed up with nothing but a simple gesture. He put his hands behind his back and leaned his head forward, serving it up for Shane to knock out of the park. He angrily swung for the fences and missed narrowly as Jimmy ducked at the last moment right before the bell sounded. The crowd groaned in awe of the disrespectful notion and the fight suddenly became much more interesting as Jimmy smiled on the way back to his corner. Shane's angry expression was evident in the fourth round, accompanied by desperately ferocious attempts to knock Jimmy out. Jimmy's movements were like a performance, evading Shane's deadly attacks, but also showing the crowd that he enjoyed it, making his opponent work tremendously to no avail, telling him constantly, you can't touch me without saying a word. In the fifth round, Jimmy lit up Shane with a four-punch combo, but didn't press very much further, sending the message that he was going to go the distance. The sixth and seventh rounds involved more struggling on Shane's part, and more failed attempts at trying to embarrass Jimmy at his own game. By the eighth round, Jimmy started to apply pressure. With a series of body shots and jabs, he wanted to wait until the 12th and final round to really lay it on him. When the 12th round finally came, Shane's aggravation got the best of him as he lashed out one final time for his nimble opponent, leaving him completely exposed. He was met by an earth-shattering hook from Jimmy's right hand. Jimmy followed up with a lethal four-punch combo that ended in a perfectly placed uppercut. Shane's limp body collapsed onto the canvas, and the ref didn't even bother to count. The bell rang, and the crowd roared triumphantly. Jimmy had won his first pro fight, and the thrill of victory overpowered everything else. From this moment forward, Jimmy would devote his life to winning, or lose everything in the process. Because to him, it didn't matter. A life void of this otherworldly sensation wasn't one worth living. And this was only the beginning.